Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. Well, welcome. I'm so glad that you are here. I'm Pastor Broderick Santiago. In case you don't know, I am uh, the lead pastor here in this wonderful church we call Mosaic, and I'm honored to have you here, but I'm more honored to be in your presence more than anything. It means the world to me to be uh, in, in the position that I am in as a pastor to serve you all, and that's what I am. I'm a servant first before I'm a, a pastor, before I'm a leader. I'm a servant to you all, so, and, 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 I, and I really take that position with great pride. Um, we've been in this series, and it's not really a series as much as it is a study of a particular book. And we've been studying the book of Ephesians, which I love. It's a perfect transition from the series we finished last uh, month on being flawed. Because what happened, you know, we, 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 we get to this point where it's like, yeah, I know I'm flawed. I, I know I'm jacked up. God loves me cool. So now what do I do with that? And the book of Ephesians creates the perfect blueprint for how we should live our lives, how we should conduct our lives, what God expects from us, and and all of that stuff. So Ephesians, I just wanted to to just touch on this right now. Now, here's here's some good news, and then some not so good news. We probably won't get right back to this. So today, we're going to cover two chapters. It's going to be like the, the Cliff Note version. You know, I know some of y'all have used cliff notes. Don't pretend you didn't because you refused to study and you got some cliff notes the night before your exam in college. Oh, that was just me. Okay, that's fine. I'll, I'll take that one. So we're going to give you a cliff notes version. You're going to have to go and do a little bit more research. Then after we finish up with the Alter Ego, uh, Alter Ego series, we'll come back and finish up the book of Ephesians, okay? So today we're going to go through two and three. And then, uh, and then uh, we'll, we'll, we'll move on from there. Amen. Let us pray. Eternal and gracious God in heaven, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for the license and permission to stand before your people. Oh, God, I, I pray that I represent you today like never before. I pray that I take nothing for myself, but I give you all the credit because that's where credit is due. God, I am the man that I am because of you. And so I pray that today the image that the people here see is that image of you. I pray that the voice that they hear is your voice, Father God, and these words that I share with them, I pray that they bypass their ears but rest on the hearts and the soul of them so that life change indeed happens today. Oh God, we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. A lot of stuff to carry, so we're going to run right through this. Let's jump right into it. Now, I'm not going to read every scripture today, okay? I'm going to give you some homework to do, all right? Now, Many of you all are scholars and you did all your homework in school, but some of you will just take this and drop it and won't do it and you'll miss it. I want you to go back and do some homework. So let me run right through this real quick. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, okay? It really talks about us being God's workmanship, okay? So I'm just going to read verses 8 through 9. 
talk a little bit about that and then take you to where I want to get you. We got some place we want to get in the end, but I got to rush through the stuff in the beginning to get to the place we need to get to. Okay. So eight through nine says this Ephesians two, eight through nine says this. God saved you by his grace when you believed. He saved you when you believed. The moment you believed that God really did exist, the moment you believed that his son did die on the cross, the moment you believed he was resurrected a few days after, the moment you believed that you were saved, right? Many of you are like, yeah, but what about the confession part? Paul says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Many people often say, when I gave my life to Christ, and, and, and that's your moment to take credit. No, you don't even get credit for that. You f- it's, it's God is just saying, you finally caught on to what, that, what I would had going a long time ago. There was this stream going the whole time. You just now jumping in it. So you can't take credit for this salvation I'm giving you, right? He says, salvation is not a reward for good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Why? Because for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I have an image that I would love to share with you all. Uh, If that is available, please cue that. This image. Let's talk about masterpiece. How many people, uh, how many art lovers do we have in the building? We got a few. Anybody recognize this piece here? Mm, Okay, close. No? Anybody recognize it? Somebody's teacher. Aha. Somebody. Okay, so here's the deal. This piece is called the car players. Okay? Can anybody guess at the value of this piece of art? How much it costs? Five million? That's good. Anyone else want to guess? Ten million. Getting closer. This piece of art was painted by a man by the name of Paul Cezanne. Cezanne was actually the teacher of Picasso and Matisse. They would say he was their father. This piece, called The Card Players, is owned by the royal family of Qatar. And just this year, it sold for $250 million. Historically speaking, this is the most expensive piece of artwork or someone's masterpiece in the history of the world. $250 million. This masterpiece painted by the teacher of Picasso and Matisse. This wonderful piece of art will hang in the Qatar's family basement or museum. It will hang there for only a select number of people to have the privilege to view. 250. You are God's masterpiece much more expensive and valuable than this, on display for the world to see God's workmanship in you and I. Far more valuable than this, where only a privileged few can see. You are on display for the world to see. 
God took his time when he created each and every one of you. He didn't even start over. When he started the masterpiece called you, when he started the masterpiece called you, when he started the masterpiece called you, he knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly the value he would place on you. And when he was done, he didn't put his signature here in the corner. He completely sealed you with his stamp of approval. Your value is way more than this $250 million piece of art. I'm going to take you somewhere with that because there's something that God wants you to do now that you realize that you are this masterpiece. You are this masterpiece on display for the world to see. So now this is what happens in Ephesians. Paul, again, writes this letter while he's in prison. At the time, the church in Ephesus is now pastored by a young, inexperienced pastor by the name of Timothy. So he's writing this letter, giving instruction to this young and inexperienced pastor by the name of Timothy. So Ephesians 2, 11 through 18 focuses on the openness and the oneness, I'm sorry, the oneness and peace in Christ. When we read 2 Ephesians 11 through uh, 18, Paul is telling them and reminding them, particularly the Gentiles, at one time people said you were a certain way. The interesting thing about this is that he was particularly speaking to men because he's mentioned the, the whole argument here and, and reminder for these people in the book of Ephesians is that Jews used to call y'all nasty, unacceptable. You can't be citizens. Why? Because you're not circumcised. You still have foreskin. Obviously, he was talking to a group of uh, self-centered uh, royal politicians or trictions, uh, whatever the case may be, that were thinking they were above everybody else because their foreskin was removed. And now uh, Paul breaks down this wall that separates them by reminding them of one time long ago you were called terrible you couldn't become citizens you were jacked up you were a mess but God tore down this wall that separated the Gentiles and the Jews so we can all be one and in being one there's peace let me bring it let me bring it let me bring it here so let's bring it personal let's make it perfect here God tore down that wall that separated you all of us who were sinners at one point from those so-called privileged Christians. God tore down that wall when you said, I have some addictions, and the church was looking at you funny because they knew your business. God tore down that and made room for you to come. Whatever your story is, whatever your testimony is, it doesn't matter because that wall is torn down. You are accepted and embraced by the same love of God that these so-called privileged people were. Now, who are the privileged people today? The people that so-called claim to be Christian. 
the, the so-called people who walk around with the I love Jesus t-shirt and Jesus is my homeboy t-shirt and bumper sticker with the fish on the back of their car, oh, holier than thou. And how dare you allow gay people to be in your church? How dare you allow that drug-addicted person to be in your church? How dare you allow uh, that divorcee to be in your church? Those holy Christians now are a thing of the past because we're bringing this current where God is saying, you are all accepted. The same spirit that I gave to that person who, who came to me and says, I believe, because that's what Paul said. It only starts with, I believe. When you say, I believe, the grace is extended to you immediately. When you believe in your heart, when you believe in your heart, the grace is immediately extended to you. It's there, but now you can just reach out and touch it because you are now aware that that grace is available to you, regardless of what you just came through. And Paul is saying in this instance that 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 barrier that used to separate us where it was us Christians and them non-Christians is no longer regardless of what your story is or your history is. That same grace is extended to you no matter what. No matter what. So that's what. Uh, Ephesians 2, 11 through 18 focuses on the oneness. We are all one. And because we are all one, there's peace in that. We no longer have to look at them and look at us differently. I shared with you all the story with Andy Stanley in his book, uh, Deep and Why, uh, where he talks about uh, his church that they came from and the Presbyterian church in Midtown. And they were having a gay pride parade and they knew that they were coming. And the gay pride parade was scheduled to, to, to start when they were emptying out of the church. So they were trying to strategically think of a way to avoid being in the presence of these homosexuals, this particular church. And, and the Presbyterian church across the street was like, I can't wait to get out there. Matter of fact, let's cancel church and be out there and extend the same grace that God extended to us. Let's give them some water to extend the same grace and say, hey, we know y'all are marching up and down here. You're having your parade. I don't agree with your lifestyle, but hey, baby, I love you like Jesus loves you. I'm going to extend to you the same grace. I'm not going to, to, to separate you or isolate you or prevent you from receiving receiving what I got because every single one of us God had to extend grace to I'm sorry perfect people I didn't mean to uh, uh, isolate y'all but God had to extend his grace to every single one of us every single one of us has sinned some of us just did it this morning some of us did it an hour ago some of us will do it today thank God for God's grace Amen. Let's let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. I don't I don't want to spend too much time on that. I got some uh, some other meat I want to get to you. He also talks about that at one point, because they were separated, they were separated from the hope because they were separated from God. They didn't realize that there was hope in God. Apart from God, we are without hope and we are without help. He extends that information to them in verses 11 through 18. Here's where we're going to really turn it up a notch. This is what the meat and the crux of chapter two and three and all of Ephesians is talking about. See, this is a time where, where, where Paul is specifically writing to the church. He's not writing to individuals. He is writing to the church. He doesn't even hide it. He says, church. You don't even have to guess who this letter is for. It's for the church. He doesn't hide it. He doesn't, he doesn't say Timothy. He doesn't say a certain person. He says, this is the church. This is for you, the church, directly for you. So here's what he's trying to do. If we read verses 19 through 22, this is where we're going to turn it up a notch. It says this. So now you Gentiles, now we got the oneness and the peace. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. 
You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are citizens. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. That's the, the cornerstone, if, you don't understand, if, you, if you're not familiar with architecture and building, the cornerstone is the, 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 the exclamation point. When you finish the building, it's got the signatures of those who built it. It's got, that's like the signature on that masterpiece. That cornerstone is, eh, that's it. That's the final stone to say that we are finished, we're complete, there's nothing else to do, the building is done. Jesus is the cornerstone in our life. Let me finish this, let me finish this, let me finish this. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are no longer, uh, you Gentiles are, are, through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. God wants you, wants us, me, you, and everybody else to understand that he destroyed the barriers and divisions in his people in order to create. He did this in order to create a unified church that is fitted together, put together as a temple of God. And as the temple of God, we are a dwelling place of God and should demonstrate it through our mutual love, support, and acceptance so that our example will lead others to God. Here's your first note. We must be committed to growing through our involvement in our church and to seeing our church grow. We must be committed to growing through our involvement in our church and to seeing our church grow. If you read the Amplified Version of this scripture, Ephesians 2.22, it says this, and I love what it says, and it makes it so plain. This is what it says. In him and in fellowship with one another, you yourselves also are being built up into this structure with the rest to form a fixed abode, which is a dwelling place of God in, by, through the Spirit. In him and in fellowship with one another, you yourselves also are being built up into this structure with the rest to form a fixed abode, dwelling place of God in and by and through the Spirit. In other words, I love when people say, I don't need a church. All I need is God. And God is saying, cool, I get that. You got me, but I need you to be in somebody's church. Because the only way that my plan and purpose is going to be fulfilled is if you are united, locked in arms with your brother and sister doing what I called you to do. Because the work I have for you to do, you can't do it by yourself. My son whom I sent, the person that I even sent, I, my son whom I sacrificed, he tried by himself. But I had to remind him, you're going to need about 12 other fools to help you out because it's going to get rough. If you don't believe me, go back to Jerusalem and see what's going to happen. 
Jesus went back home, the land where he's from. And what happened? His own kinfolk tried to run his behind off the cliff. And Jesus was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I'm going to need me some homeboys. I'm going to need some people that can cut folk. I'm going to need me some people that can, that can just jack some people. I'm going to need me some people that's gully. And if you don't understand gully, I need some people that's thugged out, that's got my back. And so Jesus got him 12. And you know they were gully because one of them was like a snitch, was greedy. I'm like, man, what, you're going to give me a few, a few coins, actually, is what it was. You're going to give me a few coins? Yeah, I'll turn them in. You got that? One of them denied him. He's like, I got you. The same one that cut somebody's ear off was like the loudest voice. Yeah, I got your back, Jesus. Ain't nothing. What? I cut somebody's ear off. And Jesus was like, yo, but you're going to deny me three times. When, when, when the poo-poo hit the fan, you're going to be like, nah, I, did, I look like that dude, but that wasn't me. I wasn't hanging with them. The same one, the loudest voice, Peter, cut somebody's ear off, ready to go to jail to defend Jesus. When they took Jesus away and somebody spotted his behind in the crowd, cock-a-doodle-doo, wasn't me. Cock-a-doodle-doo, you die. We look alike. You know how they always say somebody, you, there's somebody else in the world that looked just like you? That's what that was. That wasn't me. The same ones. And so all these people that walk around talking about, oh, you know, long as I got King Jesus, I don't need nobody else. I don't need church. I, I can do this by myself. Wrong. You can be a Christian all by yourself, but you need, in order to fulfill God's plan for your life, you need to be a part of a church. Don't have to be this one, but you have to be a part of a church. God has given each and every one of us a, a, a talent and a gift to be used to glorify him. Let me share this with you. Within every church, there are two congregations. Within every single church in America, in the world, all over the place, there are two congregations. Ready? The first one is, there are those who are a part of the membership. I'm the number. I'm a number. I got my, my, my tithing envelopes, got my number on it. I show up every Sunday. I got my favorite seat. Don't you dare sit in it. And if we take it a step further... My mama's name and grandmama's name is on the corner of the pew because we donated to the building fund. I'm talking to some, 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 some folks in here who grew up in the church. I'm a member. That's it. Don't ask me to do anything else outside of Sunday morning between the time that I'm at the church, between 11 and whatever. Don't you dare ask me to serve. Don't you dare ask me to do anything inside the church while I'm there because I am a Member, and many of you all have bought memberships to gyms and have not used them, just waste your money, but you a member, and whenever you want to go, you keep telling yourself, one day I'm going to get to the gym, just work out for about 30 minutes. And, uh, every t and you know when you say that? When you get the, the invoice that they just deducted the money out of your account. Oh, I need to get to the gym. I'm going to do it tomorrow. And then tomorrow don't come until you, the next time you get the invoice. I'm like, good God, I got to do it. Next thing you know, they just renewed your account without your permission because you signed that agreement saying that they could automatically debit you until you say stop. All right. And that's some of y'all in church. Y'all are members. You're faithful tithers. You're faithful givers. You're faithful Sunday morning attenders. But let's take it to the next level. 
Here's the other part of the congregation. This is what I want everybody at Mosaic Church to be. And I'm specifically speaking to my people at Mosaic Church to be. I want y'all to be those who are a part of the fellowship. What's the difference between a membership and a fellowship, Pastor B? I mean, uh, it sounds, you know, deep and whatever. Those who are a part of the fellowship. The fellowship. This is just like a Webster's Dictionary version. I'm not even giving you all the Christian version of it. I'm not even going deep and, and, and giving you a theological approach to this. This is simply something you can find in the American Heritage Dictionary. It says these words, the condition of sharing similar interests, ideals, or experiences as by reason of profession, religion, or nationality. B, the companionship of individuals in a congenial atmosphere and on equal terms. A close association of friends or equals sharing similar interests. Friendship, comradeship. Wow. Now, does anybody at this church feel any of that part? Can you really identify yourself as being a part of the fellowship or membership? Please don't answer that publicly. I know the truth. Because here's the thing. Sunday morning is not enough. And I got some really good news and bad news for you. God bless you. Here's the good news. Ready? God has a blessing for you, right? Here's the bad news. It's not going to happen on Sunday morning. Oh, why am I coming on Sunday morning? To prepare this place for people who need this. To prepare this place for people who are disconnected from a loving community. To prepare this place to cr- so that we can grow. If you're here, amen. You should be growing in here through your service, not your sitting. You should be growing here in this church through what you do. I love your giving. I really do. We need it. We only exist because of it. We can come in this place and pay the bills and keep these things up because you pay. But my God, I would love to see more active stuff. Don't wait for me to make a decision about an outreach thing. I'm pastor. I'm leading y'all. I'm not picking out outreach. That's not my only title. Huh? Some of y'all got, I'll say it this way, like I told my men's group. I'm the dumbest one at the table. Everybody in here is smarter than me, including Santi. Everybody in here has more input than I have. Everybody in here is a dreamer. Everybody in here has an ideal of their perfect church. And I guarantee this moment, this church you're sitting in right now is not it. So here's the thing. How does it become your ideal of a perfect church? Unless it's something crazy where it's really way outside of anything that would honor God. If you presented it for me, chances are I won't say no. You have an idea, man, I want to, you know, if you say something crazy like, yo, I want to bring some monkeys in here and let's hang off the chandeliers. I think that'll attract zoo people. I'll say, no, that's crazy. Unless you can somehow tie it to, to the ark or something like that, uh, you know, and, and, you know, but it doesn't make sense. If you want to do something crazy, stupid like that, I'll definitely say no. But if you say, man, I have this idea. I want to, I, I would love for us to do an outreach where we go to laundromats, right? 
and, and once a month, we just, whoever is in there for one hour, two hours, we're going to pay for loads of laundry for them. We're going to fold them. We're going to carry their laundry out to their car. And then if they want prayer, we're going to pray for them too. What do you think about that? I'd be like, when can we start? Go. Green light, go. Man, I have this idea, man, where we could take a group of people down on, on such and such street and, and, and handle this and hand out flyers and just introduce people to Christ and just let's just start praying a circle around people. Man, what do you think about that? Go. And some of y'all have that in your head right now, but you're waiting for pastor to bring it out of you. And that is not the job that I have to do. That is not my job description. I want you all to be empowered leaders to do what God has called you to do. Amen? I want to offer this as well. The church is suffering from a perception problem. The church is suffering from a perception problem. First, there is the problem with the world's perception of the church. The world's perception of the church as being fake and irrelevant. Every time these reality TV shows come up, the pastor's daughters and the sisterhood and all of these other little TV shows come on or you read in the paper some pastor stole somebody's money, some pastor done touched some little kid or whatever the case may be. Now we are all the same. You suddenly generalize me and I actually love God and I would never touch a child that's not my own. Don't want your money. You generalize us because of something some other human did. And there are people who, who have this perception, the world has this perception that the church is fake. He may not have mentioned money this Sunday, but I guarantee that pastor won't show money. What are you driving? I love when people say, why don't you have pictures of your family on your website? Why does it matter what I look like? If I, if I, if I didn't look this way, would you come? If I look that way, would you come? If I wore a bow tie, would you come? If I wore a suit, would you not come? I mean, really, why does it matter? You know, why does it even matter? Listen to the podcast and let that be your deciding factor. Well, that's actual, that's word. He's not cheating. He's not, he, there, there's no, you know what? That's actual. He's, that's true. That's in the Bible. Okay, that's good enough for me. That's all I need. His voice is okay. He's not the most articulate cat, but he's got a nice little voice. Huh? And then come. And then when you come and you see like, oh, and he's he kind of cute. <laughs> he kind of cute. And then my wife come up like, dang, his family's even cute. All right, this is where I want to go. Let me stop. I'm joking. <laughs> Y'all were too quiet. I had to make you laugh. Here's the other perception problem. Then there is the problem, the perception problem of believers. Believers' perception of the church as being something other than what God intended it to be, which is a family, a family of believers, a family of people with the same commonality to reach people that are lost and, and, and disconnected from a loving family, people that are not connected with this loving Christ. People that don't want, that, 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 that want to just serve God and be around people that love God the same way but don't have to dress a certain way. I'm a, you can wear pajamas to service just as long as they cover everything, everything, including your feet. So I don't even want to see that. All right? You can just, just show up. 
We accept you as you are, tattooed, pierced. I don't care. You can get a tattoo on your forehead. I'm like, yo, that's dope, man. I might get one myself. You understand? Come as you are. And, and, and here it is. We make it so difficult for people because we, we have all of these different rules and, and, and regulations. And God is saying, we're just one big family. That's all God wants. But we, believers, our perception of church sometimes is that's my church. That's my social club. That's where I go to see the people I see. And, and that's where I go to see the person that I might have eyes on because he's single and I'm single or she's single and I'm single and I've been checking her out, so I'm going to go and sit on her side and we're going to sit near each other and eventually we'll be able to touch hands. And, and you sit next to that person hoping pastor say, join hands with the person next to you. Huh? That's your opportunity because you can start rubbing it all soft. Sister, let me pray for you after service. Huh? Oh, maybe that was just me. I'm sorry. <laughs> just playing. But really, we, need, we are one family. This is not a social club. We don't come here to be in here. We come here to make this acceptable for people who are not connected to something like this. Amen? We need to change our perception of the church. It's God's family, a place through which you and I can give and receive the help and hope that Christ gives. And once we begin to see each other and treat each other as family, I think the world's perception of the church will change. I think that once we begin to treat each other as family, I observed this morning people that I know for a fact didn't know each other. It's, it's like 30 people here, let's be honest. For all the people listening to the podcast, wonder how big my membership is, about 30 people here. Okay, so here we go. About 30 of us, and I've watched, I watch people do just walk by each other. No greeting, no hello, unfamiliar faces here. And I saw nobody embrace this unfamiliar face this morning. Breaks my heart. Imagine when we actually grow. We will grow. I want to let y'all know we will grow. Let's just imagine just 20 more people here, right? We get further and further apart from each other. Now, we don't extend the love to that unfamiliar face. Will she come back? I don't know. I wouldn't. Like, man, it's like 10 people there, and they're not even friendly. <laughs> they don't even want me here. Real talk. Think about that. And then some of us who've been here forever, when was the last time you just sent somebody a text? I try to do that. I'm not good with that. I do that as often as I can, just a random text, like, hey, I'm praying for you. What can I pray for you specifically this week? I love you. How's everything doing? I don't reach everybody. I just try, but, you know, just to let people know you are on my heart. You're on my, you know, I care about you. But it requires you all to do that. Chapter 3, we're going to run through this real quick. Chapter 3 basically sums it up this way. Chapter 3, church is a big deal to God. Real talk. Church is a big deal to God. Where are my, 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 my theater people here? Dorothy, and, well, Jared's gone, and I think somebody else is a theater person. Theater, you're going to love this. Paul tells us that the church is a big deal as far as God is concerned. How do I know? I mean, we can look at Ephesians 5.25. We understand that that particular scripture is him, uh, Paul giving instruction to husbands on how they should conduct themselves. Husbands, love your wives the same way God loved the church. But here's the part that many people overlook. How did he love it? Just as Christ loved the church, what did he do? He gave up his life for her. He gave up his life 
for the church. Not just a single individual, for the church. He says and uses the word church. I exegeted the text. That means I looked at that exact word in Greek and in Hebrew to see if it was another word. Nope, it was church. He was specifically talking about Jesus died for the church. Many of us will run out of a church if one time the sermon did not meet our needs. Many of us will run out of the church if we don't have a particular program in place for that particular group of people. Many of us will run, but Jesus gave his life for the church. That alone tells me that church, church, yes, I'm saying that word, church is a big deal to God. So much so, Paul had to write about it to let you know how big of a deal it is to him that he gave his life for the church. Why? Here's your notes. The church is at the heart of God's redemptive work and his eternal purpose. The church is at the heart of God's redemptive work and his eternal purpose. We're coming to a close. We're coming to a close. I want to read this, this little analogy that this pastor uh, that I read about uh, wrote to describe this. His, his name is Pastor Dave McFadden. And he describes it this way. And I quote, As part of this new humanity as, as saved people, through faith in Christ, we are involved in a cosmic drama. The theater is history, the stage is the world, and the actors, they are the church, you and me. The writer is God, who is also the director and produces the drama, this cosmic drama. The audience is the elect angel host of heaven and the fallen angels of hell. 1 Peter 1 and 12 says this, it is all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things that happen. Dave McFadden says we are part of this cosmic drama that God has created, and we all have a role to play in it. There are no stagehands in this. We are all actors. God is the writer, director, and the producer. He's the producer because the price that was paid was his son's life. I love that he says that. I'm going to read a quote, then I'm going to give you some notes. We'll wrap it up here. A writer by the name of John R.W. Stott from God's New Society writes this. It is through the old creation, the universe, that God reveals his glory to humans. Think about that for a minute. Let that resonate. It is through the old creation, the universe, that God reveals his glory to humans. This is where it gets better. It is through the new creation, the church, that God reveals his glory to the angels. The old creation is the universe. You read the Old Testament, how he established the universe. Read New Testament, it's all about building up the church. We talk about the Gospels, and right after the Gospels, what happens? 
we learn that there is this institution, this organization, this group, this family called the church, a family of believers. The whole New Testament builds us up to what God's glorious plan is. And that's for us to come together, this body, this single body, the church, for what? The redemptive purpose and plan of God. God works through the church to accomplish his redemptive purpose through a our declaration of Christ to a broken world. Our declaration of Christ to a broken world. God works through the church to accomplish his redemptive purpose through one, our declaration of Christ to a broken world. Letting people know, yes, I'm saved. Yes, God, you know, yes, Jesus saved me. I declare that he is the head of my life. Here's my testimony. I know you're going through, but it gets better, baby. I went through that. I know somebody went through that. Your declaration. I declare that Christ truly does and is our hope. He does care for us, and he is our hope. The other way is our demonstration. This is the part that where we fail. This is where we drop the ball. Many of us declare it all day. We declare it just in the clothes we wear, in the songs we listen to, in the books we carry. We, we have the Bible uh, in our office cubicle. We have the little scriptures on our wall in our house and stuff. We, we, we wear a cross or, or, or rosary, all of that stuff. Our declaration is easy, but this is where the church drops the ball. Ready? In our demonstration of community to a broken world. Our demonstration of community does not mean in these four walls. It does not mean just what we do. It means embracing, intentionally going after and seeking people that are far from Christ. From your family to your friends to the person you know that is far from Christ to the person that cussed you just a minute ago. It's going beyond your level of comfortability, stretching out beyond that and demonstrating within the community your love for Christ. It's putting your needs aside to address somebody else's. And we as a church have dropped the ball. Because it's all about me and our consumer attitudes. I need to be fed. My church, this. My church, that. It's all about my needs. I would help you, but I need help. I would pray for you, but I need prayer. Well, then, dog it, pray together. I almost said the other word. I felt like I wanted to say it. Put someone else's needs before yours. And guess what? When you do that, you're blessed. You're blessed in the process. God honors both of you. Here it is, and I'm done. As people from different backgrounds, of different temperaments, and even of different opinions come together under the banner of Christ, as we come together under the seal and banner of Christ, the world is awakened to the difference Christ can make in people's lives. When I accept your flaws and you accept my junk, when, when I say, yeah, you stink, but I stink just as bad, 
When I say, man, you a ball of mess and you, and, and you look back and say you are too. When we both can deal with each other's mess, when we both can deal with each other's shortcomings, when I can embrace my homosexual brother, my homosexual sister uh, in Christ and, and say, hey, man, Jesus loves you. When I can embrace the adulterer, when I can embrace the person who's even domestically uh, abusing somebody and say, man, that's stupid. You can't do that. But God loves you anyway. Let's fix that. Chances are you're doing all of the things you're doing because somebody at some point did it to you. And nobody's taught you the proper way to conduct your life. Let me embrace you. I know you've been strapped to that cocaine for a long time, but let me show you something else that will, that will give you life, that will give you the peace that you're seeking, and that's why you're turning to that. I know you can't help but get on the Internet and go to uh, uh, you know, bigboobs.com, but let me show you something else that's better than that. Something that you don't even have to, that, that, that temporary fix, I got something that's permanent. And it's called the Spirit of Christ who died for you and I. Begin today to challenge yourself to think. What congregation are you a part of? Are you a member? Are you part of the fellowship? And if you're part of the fellowship, get some skin in the game. Amen. Amen. God in heaven, we thank you for this time together. I pray that I honored your word with authenticity. Oh, God, I know at times that I can be very passionate about your word because I believe every single word of it. I believe it to be true. I believe, oh, God, that that these words that I share truly come from you and that they honor you. So, God, if my passion gets in the way of your message, I apologize. But I pray that beyond my passion, the people here really hear my heart. And that is truly just to honor you. God, I I exist in this position only because you ordained it. It It's not a decision I made on my own, but it was one that you chose for me. So God, I, I, I take and walk in this path of being a pastor with great pride and integrity. And I pray, God, that I continue to honor you with everything that I do. I thank you for every single person hearing at the sound of my voice. I don't know where they are in their walk, God. I only know from what they tell me. But God, if, if, if there's anybody here in this place right now that is just wavering, if there's anybody here right now under the sound of my voice right now, God, that is just on the fence, if there's anybody here right now that, that, that the only thing that's going to change their world around is a miracle, if that person is here, God, I'm asking you right now to expedite your blessing in their life. Turn things around for them, but remind them, oh God, that you're there, but they have to take steps too. They also must have some skin in the game so that you can work in concert together. So God, I pray that today we leave this place different than we came. We leave it better. We leave it with a burden to really be a part of the fellowship, and no longer are we few sitters and no longer are we just people that that have ideals but refuse to share but we are people who are desperate to reach people that are disconnected from a church community that loves you so today god let us be desperate for those that are not connected to you break our heart toward things that break yours so we can be intentional about serving the least of these oh god we love you we honor you And we praise you 
And all those agree that said, amen. Amen. Thank you all for your time. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.